0: Alrighty, Good morning, everybody. Happy new week. Hope you're doing amazing. Um, I'm back from Sydney, and right next to me, I have one of my Queenslander authors, Tracy Zielinski, um, who has just fresh, fresh hot off the press published her book. Get it together forever. Wouldn't we want all of all of us to have those strategies behind? Um, what she means and I can't wait to talk to her this morning because because um, she is truly an expert in this particular field. So let me give you the official introduction of who Tracy is and please feel free to interact, ask questions. And share your insights from what you're hearing and learning. So, Dr. Tracy Zielinski, author of Get It Together Forever, is a clinical psychologist with over 20 years of experience. She has developed a simple common sense framework that can help you step quickly and effectively away from self sabotage and self limiting beliefs and into the best relationships you have ever had with yourself. Tracy has an innate ability to explain complex ideas in simple and accessible ways. She paints pictures through metaphors and analogies that will help you easily grasp the concepts you will use to step into a sense of being in control of your own actions and reactions no matter what the circumstances. Her clients say the process feels obvious, um, that it is common sense and slots into their everyday lives. It feels natural and so they do it. Um, so today's Trace, we're going to talk about the four simple strategies to smash through your self-limiting beliefs. I love this stuff. I love talking about so um you know before we begin any of, of that stuff why did you decide now 20 plus years as a clinical psychologist why was it t- time now to write your book?
1: When COVID struck I um I had been just doing what most clinical psychologists do I'd started coming up with some different ideas that I'd been putting together but when COVID struck I closed down my main office and went to telehealth and When I did that, I started to find that I was going back to what I do best, which is education. So at that point, I started to really hone my process. And as COVID went on, um, psychologists' offices, psychiatrists' offices, helplines, were just becoming so overwhelmed and so inundated by people who suddenly needed help who who probably had never actually reached out before and it occurred to me that um, and partly because i really am looking at retiring from clinical practice by the end of the year that if i don't get this book out now i'm never going to get it out so it was when it happened it was a very sudden um decision i you you came up on my facebook um, feed again you, you'd come up previously and I'd, I'd shown a friend you know your video mm-hmm. um, but, but not I was at the, that point actually in the process of doing a draft of a novel which is still to be written yeah, and, yeah. and all of a sudden you came up again and I went you know what it's time mm-hmm. so May last year it was time and at that point I had almost honed my process by by August probably just before you know I got the um the draft into the editor I had nailed it and the feedback that I'm getting suggests that I did.
0: Yeah absolutely I love that it was like that perfect everything aligned and you just I mean the book was in your hands what just before the year ended?
1: Just before Christmas yeah the week yeah. of Christmas and And I could have had it earlier, um, but I decided to go for the offset print because I just wanted, you know, that real thick, lovely book feel. And I'm so glad that I did because I just love this, you know, compared to my digital proof. I just love what I've ended up with it's just so pretty look at that
0: I love it (laughs) I love it so let's talk about some of the stuff that um, you've put into the book that you share you've shared with people for such a long career that you've now succinctly organized in what your framework is so first of all self-limiting beliefs what are they where did they come from
1: self-limiting beliefs are beliefs that we take on probably by the time we're seven or eight years of age. They come from um, our childhood, obviously how we're treated, how the, what the family dynamics are, um, what experiences we have. It's and it's really interesting because the the simplest thing can can trigger us and set us into this idea that, uh, you know, we're not good enough or, you know, our, our value is in what we do for other people, you know, and particularly women, you know, because we see our mothers um, tend to put themselves last on the hierarchy and it's always the, you know, oh, come and help mummy in the kitchen or, you know, whatever. You know, the girl is often the responsible one, the one that is expected to, to do for others. Mm. So we take on that idea that um, often that we don't matter so much except in what we give. And that's a a very core belief for a lot of people that I work with, for example. But there are a lot of others. And some people have horrendous childhoods um, and they take on very, very strong beliefs about, you know, the world not being safe or, uh, you know, they're just not good enough or what have you. So we come with these beliefs or you know we may come from a a family that's always struggled for money and our parents aren't particularly good with it so it's like I don't deserve money I don't deserve good money, Um, you know I'm, I'm not worth it, Uh, so lots and lots and lots of ways that we limit ourselves. And those those core beliefs, I think, you know, sort of settle almost in the gut. They they settle in the body. It's like the unconscious system just doesn't ever question. Once we've got those beliefs there, we don't question it until you meet someone like me and I kind of go, hey, have you thought about why you always fall into this pattern? Yes. And, um, And we identify what those beliefs are in terms of what I want to talk about today I'm actually going to talk about the language we use to ourselves which is influenced by those core beliefs um, and the language can be something like is something like for example um, I just can't understand this
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is a perfect example of all or nothing language. Mm-hmm. And when it comes down to it, we tend to use negative language when we're feeling overwhelmed, or when we're feeling um, down, or when we're feeling stressed. Yes. When we're in when we're in conflict, if, if someone snaps at us, we just tend to snap back, and you end up with this, like me. So, so. When it comes down to it, um, speaking to what I really want to talk about today, I want to get the point across that most people tend to assume, without necessarily thinking about this per se, but they make the assumption somehow that what we feel influences and and dictates even what we think Mm -hmm. and what we do. And we get this triangle with the emotion, the thought, and the behavior. So, you know, you've got this lovely little triangle. And most people think that it just kind of goes down from the emotion. And it doesn't. And that's the secret to my success. That's the secret to my client's success. And the secret of success to anyone that chooses to read my book is that that triangle all those connections work both ways yes so if you change what you say to yourself it changes how you feel if you change how you're acting it changes how you feel Mm. and of course down the bottom if you change how you talk to yourself it changes how you are capable of acting Mm. very cool yeah absolutely and as you can see from that, the self-sabotage that we do and that and that limiting our ability to succeed um, tends to go away if you can just deal with the what I think are the core language traps that we fall into.
0: Well, give me the core language traps. Yes. <laughs> I <want to> know.
1: <laughs> so, so a lot of people talk about, oh, 10, 17, I used to give people a handout with 17 different cognitive thought distortions, Uh negative cognitive thought distortions. And there's one woman um, who has come up with at least 50 different ways that we sabotage. Uh And I just think you don't need them all. They're not all as important as each other. So what I've done is I've come up with the four just four oh. <laughs> that really will change your life and change the way you think, act, react, etc. And they are all or nothing language, which I just said I can't, or I always, I always do that. Mm-hmm. Labeling, which I think is a special kind of all or nothing language where we, we hang on to a, a label about ourselves mm. or our behavior. Oh, you know, I've been doing that for so many years. So, you know, it's it's very much I'm always doing that. Yes. But the important part with that is that we're saying this negative thing about ourselves or about our behavior in the present tense.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: we're putting that label on ourselves right here, right now. And unfortunately, every single moment of our future will become our present tense. So if you keep saying, I do this, then guess what? Okay. You will yeah so the third one is pressure language
0: mm-hmm.
1: which is I really should be doing this I have to do that mm. well, I need to get to that and the problem with um, pressure language is that it creates a chore and a burden and it just like sits on our shoulders and adds to our stress yeah and we don't question that and this is the thing about these, these core things that we say. Once we say it, we don't question it. So I'll come, I'll come back and very quickly talk in a moment about what to do about these things. But yeah. and the fourth one is blaming. You make me feel so inadequate, Nat, because you are just so beautiful and successful. <laughs> right? You making me feel that. Mm. Well, actually, you don't, because I have a very good self esteem. Um but that's a case of blaming you know whereas you're actually in control of how I react simply because I allow you to be that Mm. he makes me so angry Mm. so all of a sudden you know I'm kind of being done to in that sentence you know if we look at language and here's my education you know sort of hat coming on a lot of a lot of people um, in my era know about subject and object in a sentence and when you say i mm-hmm. you're the doing person you're the subject and and you get to actually dictate what happens when you say me often it's like you're being done too it happened to me
0: mm-hmm.
1: he made me do this mm-hmm. so i have no control i have no responsibility because it's all his fault. Mm. Isn't that a terrible thing to do? <laughs> so, but it's what we often do. And honestly, um, you know, we all we all do these things. Every single one of us at some stage falls into these traps. And the reason I say that is that it just surrounds us. Yes. If you actually stop and listen to the language of the people around you, we... They all do it. We all do it. I still have to pull myself back from doing it.
0: I remember when I started on my personal development journey 12 years ago and we talked a lot about language and, you know, and did NLP and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I started to catch myself, you know, mm-hmm. how many times you do, do these things. And we can still revert back no matter how much self-help stuff you may have done you can still catch yourself going, ah,
1: I'm in blame mode. Absolutely, absolutely. And the thing is the words that that fall into, that help us fall into these traps are words that are extremely useful in day-to-day language. So it's not like, you know, can't is a bad word in and of itself. Yeah. But it creates an enormous limit when we tell ourselves that we can't do something that we actually could do if we started thinking about it a little differently. Yeah. So can I just really briefly now go into what I suggest you do to.
0: Yes, go, go into each of the four and tell us that this is how we should, we're doing it, but maybe we can change it to this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I'd also like to say if, if people are interested, um, you know, you can just send me a message through my webpage or via my email address, and I'm happy to send a handout on this language stuff. Um, because what's important to me is that we get this information out there. Yeah. And if you decide to buy a book off the back of that, even better. We'll share where you can get the book in a, in a moment. Let's hear through these things. Yeah. So all or nothing language. The problem with that is that once we tell ourselves, I can't, it becomes true. And a lot of people will say to me, oh, yeah, but I don't really mean it. And I agree you know they don't but there's a big difference between what we think intellectually which is like sort of situated in here and what we think unconsciously Mm. and unfortunately the unconscious rules us rules our body rules probably around 90 percent of what we do in the day is automatic yeah we just know it we do it we don't have to think about it. We don't have to plan very precisely every single thing we do. If you're tying your shoelaces, you do not have to make a special special plan as to how to do that every single time you do it. If you're driving a car, you don't have to think consciously now, um, how do I turn the indicator on? Mm. You know, you just do it. You know when, you know how, you just do it. It becomes automated, which is... Absolutely fabulous, because in, in my view, um, the thinking brain is a little bit lazy. But also we want it available when we absolutely need it. So we don't want to be overwhelming it with the minutiae of the day.
0: Yeah.
1: So the unconscious does most of our the running of our body and of ourselves. So the unconscious unfortunately is quite primitive and it doesn't actually understand the nuance that our incredibly clever thinking brain does. Thinking brain develops for at least 25 years. So it has plenty of time to get actually really clever. The other system is fully developed probably by the time we're around three years of age, if not before. So it's very, very basic. So, it just takes things verbatim. So, if you say I can't, it goes, All right, okay, fine, we'll cross that off the list. Yeah. And it literally does. It literally says, Right, no point in trying because it is impossible. If I cannot do something, it literally makes it impossible. So, I've got a lovely little diagram that I have in the book, which I'm not going to show you. Well, actually, I could. Do you want to see a little diagram? Yeah, show us on screen let me there it is
0: yes so well yep, there you go
1: there we are so yeah. you can see the bars of never and always yes they are the impossible mark the the bar between them so it's like goalposts of all and never and always and the bar in between is the realm of the possible so very very simply If you want to shift away from that all or nothing language, it's simply a matter of shifting onto that bar, which means you can move because it's not absolute. Mm. So how do we shift from I can't to making it possible? It's simple. I'm struggling. Mm -hmm. It's difficult. This, This is difficult. It's not impossible, though. It may be hard, and that's the thing. I don't advocate, oh, of course I can, necessarily, Mm -hmm. because if you're struggling so much that you've just said, I can't, Mm -hmm. you may very well not believe that, oh, of course I can. But if you say, I'm really struggling with this, then your brain, your, your thinking brain, automatically kicks into gear and goes, right, okay, well, what have we tried so far? Yeah. And what haven't we tried yet? What else can we try? Because I know that we can get this. Because it's
0: not an absolute. I get it. I get what you're saying. It's
1: not an absolute. It's not impossible, mm. which means it gives you the option to at least problem solve it. Yeah, right. So all of this is about helping us step into thinking mode or problem solving mode. Mm. So any questions,
0: Matt? Ah. Uh. Keep going. So go get, go on to the next one because this is I love language and I love like now, now to start yep. noticing <laughs> today for the rest oh. of the
1: It it you you will be surprised by how much even you fall into yeah, some yeah, of yeah. these hopes. Oh yeah. Um, labeling. Labeling is something like oh, I always get so anxious in these times. Mm. Or I, you know, I I have panic attacks. Mm. Or oh look, I've been doing that forever. There's no way that, you know, like. I just, I always snap, you know, when, when someone says something like that. So whether it's about you and your label Mm. or whether it's about the behavior that you always do, because it's such a long, long entrenched habit, labeling puts it in the present tense and keeps it there. So while you keep saying it, it is true. So, so many years I've had people, for example, with anxiety, I deal work a lot with people with anxiety who keep telling themselves they're anxious, even after they've learned the strategies to step away from being anxious. And they get really good at it. They can, they can do it, like, in a moment. But because they keep putting the label on and keep telling themselves they get anxious, even though, you know, their anxiety used to last that long and now it lasts... That long, it doesn't matter. They still go, ah, but see, I I fell into the trap. I still got anxious. Mm. Even though it was like a split second, that's what's important Mm. because that's what the label says. So until they step away from the label, they're going to continue to have to strive every time to put those strategies in place because they will continue to see themselves as anxious. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep. So, what
0: do, what, how did they change it? Like instead of saying it's "I have anxiety. very,
1: very, yeah, yep. it's very simple. All you do is put it in the past.
0: Mm. You know what?
1: I used to get anxious, but now
0: mm-hmm.
1: this is what I'm doing now. I've got these strategies that step me away from that.
0: Yeah,
1: got it. So, so labeling—just put it in the past where it belongs. Mm-hmm. And, and acknowledge that, yes, it was a habit, and, yes, that's something that I should look out for.
0: Yes.
1: But moving forward, this is what I'm going to do moving forward. And once again, you've got your plan and yeah. you do it. Love it. Yeah. Next one Yes. is pressure language. Yes. This,
0: Ooh,
1: is, a this is a big one. Huge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So pressure language is the I need to, I have to, I've got to. Now, if you were to tell me, you know, Tracy, you have to get in and do this, I'd kind of go, well, you can't tell me what to do. Mm. So the thing is when someone else tells us you have to or you've got to, you need to, or you need to, isn't that a lovely one, you resent it Mm. and you resist it even if they're right you know you're you're going to resent it so you're less likely to jump in and do it straight away unless the person telling you has the authority to do so and you accept that the problem is when we tell ourselves you need i need to i have to i should it's we react in exactly the same way we number one we take it on board as a chore <sighs> yeah But because we're resentful of it, we tend to not prioritize it.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So it's a thing that keeps getting pushed back. And then we start feeling guilty about it because we keep telling ourselves, I should be doing this. And I keep not doing it because it just doesn't feel nice because it's a chore.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: So, what do we do with this? Once again, it's very, very simple. The first thing when you catch yourself, and you can feel the weight of it on your shoulders. You really can feel all these things in some way, shape or form yes. in your body. Yes. Right? So when you start to notice the, the heaviness and the, and the weight, it's like, all right, what have I just said? Ah, I've just told myself I need to do this. So the first question is, well, is this actually something that I want to do or that would benefit me?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Would it be useful to do it? And sometimes the answer to that is, well, actually, no. No, it's not something that's going to benefit me. It's not something I'm going to enjoy.
0: Yeah. In which case,
1: dump it. dump it. Give yourself permission to go, you know what? No, it's not something I need to do. Can I give a really brief example from my past of something that I yeah. did really silly? Many, many years ago, um, a friend invited me to a Tupperware party. Now, Tupperware parties and I are not the best of friends. In fact, I hate them. I really don't like that kind of thing. So because it was a really good friend of mine, I felt obliged. I told myself, well, I really should go. Right. But I didn't know anyone that was going and I didn't want the Tupperware and... You know, and I don't like the Tupperware parties. So I had this real conflict, you know, like I should do it, but I don't want to. Mm. So in the end, I didn't go, but I felt so guilty about it that I spent $600 on Tupperware. Yeah. That's a perfect example to me of falling into the trap of you should. Because, honestly, this is a really good friend of mine. If I'd said to her I hate Tupperware parties, she'd go, yeah, well, you don't have to come. Yeah. Yeah. And that would have been it yeah but I didn't do that I put the pressure on myself and I paid the price mm. so what do we do simple as I said first up ask yourself is this something I need to do or want to do or you know is it going to benefit me is it really something that has to sit there if the answer is no you dump it if the answer is yes there are two more questions okay. how important is it hmm And how urgent is it? So is it a priority to do right now? Or is this something that I can schedule for next week or next month? Or is it something that I will do when I get around to it? Like those car seat covers that, you know, I should replace because they're getting really ratty. Yeah. Yes, I will do that. But how much of a priority is it? Well, while it's only me in the car, probably not a huge one. But if I happen to have time and I'm going past the, the, the car store, I'll pop in and see what I can find. But, you know, is it urgent? No. Is it important? Uh, not really. Yeah. And it removes that overwhelm. Absolutely. Yeah. The, other, the other advantage of it is that all of a sudden it's no longer a chore, it's something that is going to benefit us. Choice. It's no longer a chore, it's a choice correct i love it absolutely absolutely and and that's the thing because all of a sudden we're doing something that's going to benefit us and we're going to enjoy the outcome of it in some way shape or form i had a client um, tell me the other day that she just loves cleaning her bathroom now because she gets to the end and she stands there and goes i love the way that sparkles Mm. And that's how she does it. She used to hate cleaning the bathroom because it was a chore. Now she loves the outcome of it. Mm -hmm. So it's moving it from looking at the chore to the outcome. Very, Mm -hmm. very simple.
0: Let's go through the last one quickly. (laughs)
1: Last one is pressure language. And pressure language is the he made me, she made me. Um, The
0: blame, you mean.
1: The blaming. Sorry. Yes. Yes, you're right. Blaming. Yes. Yes. He made me, she made me, whatever. So the thing here is because when you allow yourself to say they are responsible for my behavior then by default you are not responsible and if you are not taking responsibility for your own behavior then you're not in control of you and my book is all about stepping into control of your own life so blaming is a simple one i allowed myself to Mm. feel angry when he did this yeah doesn't stop you from having done it but all of a sudden I'm taking responsibility for my actions and because taking responsibility I may choose to go and apologize Mm. in retrospect for look I shouldn't have snapped at that point this is what was going on And people will be very understanding of that. Or it may be something you don't need to apologise for, but you notice, right, okay, I'm not going to do that moving forward. I'm in charge of what I do. Mm. I make the decision. Yeah. So um, you may be dealing with a a very difficult um, salesperson or, you know, dealing with a telephone company or something and you're having issues with them. And you're trying to be nice, and you're trying to be calm, and you're trying to be patient, and and they're just like trying to walk all over you. And you think, mm, okay, I'm getting, I'm feeling a little angry here because I feel like they're not listening to me and they're not respecting me, and that's not good enough because I demand to be respected mm-hmm. and heard. So I may allow my anger to rise, but I will do it in a controlled way rather than just snap which won't get me anything because I just look like I'm completely out of control. But I can choose to allow myself to get angry in that in that um, circumstance, for example,
0: yeah. uh,
1: because it's appropriate and because it's controlled. So I'm in charge of me. I'm in charge of what I choose to do, I choose to respond to something. And that doesn't always mean being lovely and sweet and light. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, we have to step up and be heard
0: yeah
1: so but yeah it's it's about i'm in charge of me you're not in charge of me
0: Mm.
1: yeah that means that if you do something that i don't like i don't have to snap at you because i can choose how i respond Mm. and it's a lot calmer i
0: love that respond versus react right
1: (laughs) absolutely choose your response it's all about choice and it's all about problem solving
0: love that wow Tracy so many gold nuggets and there've been some comments but I didn't I didn't want to interrupt the flow no, no, and read them but we can read them after on the chat box um you know and reply to them so um tell me then you know um what will people get out of reading your book more of this <laughs> I'm guessing
1: yeah so so that's a big bite of I've got I've got three sections in my book. The first section has that. It has a little bit more. It has, you know, a, a really simple breathing exercise. It has um, explanation of why all of this is important and how it all fits together. It's like the foundation. Mm. Um, so this is this is stuff. Honestly, every single person on this planet, I think, can benefit from these tools. Yeah. Uh, because we can all benefit from stepping into charge of ourselves and being able to choose our response. Love that. The second section has a beautiful little metaphor that helps you step into the best relationship with yourself that you can ever imagine Mm -hmm. Um, because a lot of people really struggle with that, you know. A lot of people actually don't necessarily appreciate themselves as they should. Yeah. So so that one, I think that's the main thrust of that section. Um, But I like to keep it separate from the first because what I suggest to people when they read the book is that you spend a bit of time with section one, really embedding the strategies because they are things that literally, and you can imagine from those four things, once you actually start doing that, it just slots into your life.
0: It does, yeah.
1: It's not like I'm asking you know, people to commit to a long period of practice or you know whatever it's really simple it just and it because it works people keep doing it yeah and if you keep if you keep the strategy in mind then even when something untoward happens you can step back problem solve it and apply the strategy and you were saying earlier that you know often we can slip back And that's what happens a lot of the time when things start to go well, we just take it for granted and we kind of forget why it's going well and what we have done to make that happen. So by going back and reminding yourself of the strategies, you keep the precious strategies even while you make them into habits. Mm. And that's important. Section two then is getting that relationship and it just brings everything together. Section three is for people that want more or who, who are just interested in reading more because there are more strategies. But it's it's more for um, specialised chapters on anxiety, stress, depression and those really hard-to-shift habits.
0: Yeah.
1: I use um, smoking as one of the examples of that because smoking is something that people really struggle with letting go of. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good example to use in that. So what will people get out of it? They will get the opportunity to get it together forever.
0: Right. I'm going to share where you guys can get the book. Um, Tracy's book is on her website, get it As you can see here on my um on my screen, you, there's the book, the cover. And I'm sure if you get it from her, she will personally sign it for you. I will. You? Absolutely. Otherwise, you can also find the book on Amazon and Oh, lots
1: of online reseller stores. Yeah, yeah, and I'm starting to. Um, if, if you're in sort of north of Brisbane, I'm I'm starting to look at ben, um, places, bookstores, and whatever to to get it in because uh, really, just getting the message out there to as many people as possible as quickly as possible is is really what I want to do, so that I can live a nice retired life um, fairly soon. I love
0: that. Final question, how did you find yes. the process of writing uh, a book in just six or seven months, pretty much?
1: Yeah, look, really, 19th of May I signed the contract and by you know toward pretty much six months.
0: Exactly six months. So Seven months. Yeah.
1: May to December. But you know, that was like a month because at that time of year the printing is so slow. Yeah. Um, so really it was six months. And indeed, it was August, 20th of August, that I submitted to the editor my first draft. So it wasn't a long process. And once again, um, I don't know, I've said this before, and I will continue to say it. Right at the beginning, before I even talked to Stu, I sent him um, the handouts that I was using at the time, thinking, oh, well, he'll see what a good writer I am. And, you know, like, you know, give me a tick and say, oh, yes, we definitely want you in our stable. And um, he came back and went, mm, you know, like it's good, but it's still probably a little bit too academic. Yeah. I was like, what? <laughs> but I'm, I'm known for writing to, you know, to the common person, to every person.
0: Yes.
1: Anyway, I took that on board and I found my voice. Yeah. And um, the comments that I'm getting back, I actually had a client, um who gave a copy to her sister who has never met me and her sister told my client it's as though she's talking directly to me yeah and I just love that I just you know that's because that's exactly what I want it's so easy to read it's honestly I think the easiest book I don't think there is another book of this kind personally but (laughs) it's so easy to read Um, it's so it's just chock-a-block full of amazing information without being overwhelming
0: yeah Um,
1: my 83 year old mother um, wrote me a review and and I was talking to her about it and she said the the all or nothing language particularly and the pressure language you know were the things that really worked for her they're the things that really changed her life and she said um, I've stopped telling myself I can't do things and I am just enjoying doing so much more I'm not limiting myself and I'm I'm achieving things and doing things that I never thought I would at oh, 83 years of age
0: of course it's never, cool that? never late and we all get you know especially as we get older we think we can't do this we can't do that and all that sort of stuff so that's wonderful to hear
1: absolutely well it, it, it really does change people's lives because it takes away their limits and allows them to blossom and there's never it's never too late to blossom that never
0: I agree I agree well congratulations I'm super happy and proud of everything you've achieved in such a short period of time I've had the pleasure of you know t- taking you through the process you know when you uh,
1: work and it was such it is such a good process. Yeah. It really is. And and you know, you just take all the pressure away with, you know, the whole team is yeah. there to support you, not having to worry about getting designs, you know, where yeah. do I get my designs done? Where do I get my cover done? You know, like the editing. Oh, well, you know, and the layout. We
0: use your content and we'll take care of the rest because exactly that's, that's exactly. your main role. You know, you don't want to think about all the logistics, the rest,
1: you know. Right. You know, so
0: because you now can enjoy, um, what, you know what's what's come about from having the book.
1: I just to put it into context. Um, I said that I was in the process of doing a draft of a novel. I spent ten months doing a first draft of novel course,
0: mm.
1: for which I ended up with some, you know, quite a lot of written passages, but a lot of just notes. Yes. Because um, even though there was accountability, it it just wasn't. It wasn't what you give in, you know, with your program. And if I had kept going the same way, I would still be trying to get chapters written and I would be going over and rewriting. And I
0: don't,
1: I honestly don't believe that I would have achieved the quality of book that I have. Yeah. And I certainly don't think I would be getting the feedback that I'm getting. And the feedback that I'm getting is just absolutely awesome. I love it. Well,
0: Vicky's just said she got her copy. <laughs> She's been watching. So you've got one at least to sign there and
1: take hey. it
0: away. Awesome. We got to go this morning. I know I've been so, I always get so mesmerized oh, by some. Um, the information that people share and that's why I kind of just let it go a bit longer if it needs to uh, go, but thank you so much for sharing um, all the wisdom. Um, and please guys go get that book, get it together is the website um, and check out what Tracy's doing. I'm sure she's going to release lots of wonderful um, wisdom from you know, everything that she's been doing so that she can retire and um enjoy and help people, you know, in a different way. Absolutely. Um, thank you guys. And as always, smash it out. Have a great week ahead. Bye Trace.
1: Bye now.